we have been apart for weeks. Weeks with no ability to come together as a community of faith and worship. And this comes at a cost. A cost to our hearts and our souls and our relationships. And obviously this season of isolation is horribly disrupting on almost every front. And it's certainly disruptive to our life together as a church. And yet, we can turn this time to our advantage if we use it to reevaluate our priorities. To reevaluate the frenetic way that so many of us lived before the pandemic. And to use this time to establish a new normal that we will embrace when the quarantine eases up and we ease back into life. We can discover and embrace a new normal where we will do more than just survive the daily rat race. We can embrace a new normal where we will thrive. Last Sunday, we talked about God's invitation for us to have a rhythm of life based around daily and weekly rest. Not just physical rest, but spiritual rest that nourishes our souls. This morning, we want to understand why consistent involvement in the community of faith also is a vital part of a healthy rhythm of life. However, one of the interesting trends of American life a trend that churches all across our country have experienced is that believers increasingly view time together in Christian community as optional. We often choose to do other things on Sunday rather than gather together with the community of faith. And so the way that played out here at Gardenway is before the coronavirus, anywhere from one quarter to one third of our church would be absent on a typical Sunday. Now think about that. Could your company function with 25% or more of the people absent on a regular basis? If you play recreational baseball or soccer, how successful would your team be if only 65 to 75% of the players consistently showed up? And I find it interesting that we're, we're not always cavalier about our other areas of involvement. But sometimes we can be pretty cavalier about the church. And it may be that a lot of us have been taking the church for granted. So I hope, as we've been deprived of our community over the past few weeks, that we will increasingly realize that gathering together is a privilege. It's not a duty to show up on Sunday morning, but neither should it be something that we do casually and intermittently. Because the privilege of worshiping and serving and living together in community has the potential to enrich our lives like nothing else. And that's what the Apostle Paul helps us to see in chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. He describes a variety of ways in which this unique community called the church helps all of us to learn, to grow, and to experience the best that God has to offer. Paul helps us understand why our life together is an incredible privilege, a privilege that we should not take for granted. Let's start in verses 1 to 6 of Ephesians 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, 
one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Paul begins by talking about calling. And in in the church, we often use that word calling in a very selective way. So, for example, we talk about men and women who are called by God into ministry. Or who get a call from God to serve in missions. But there in verse 1, Paul doesn't use the word in a limited way. He applies that word calling to every person in the church. So just let that wash over you for a minute. You have a call from God. And what is that call? He has called you to live as a follower of Jesus. And he has called you and me to take our faith seriously enough that we make it a priority to live up to that call. And part of our calling is to be in community with other followers of Jesus. And this becomes crystal clear when we notice that every characteristic Paul describes here is expressed through relationships. Qualities like humility and gentleness and patience, and putting up with each other. These aren't things that we do solo. They are learned and lived out among the community of believers where these qualities can be shaped by our faith and by the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. Here's just one practical example. It's obvious that this extended quarantine is making a lot of us impatient, We're impatient to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Some of you are becoming impatient with your roommates because you're always together. Some of us are becoming more impatient with family members because we're not getting any breaks from our spouse or our kids. Patience, though, flows out of contentment, and God, through his spirit, is the only one who truly can make us content. And how do we acquire that? Well, when we gather with the community of faith to let worship music speak to our hearts, we let the message speak to our minds, we let communion speak to our souls. And as we do that, we make ourselves more available for God's spirit to do his work in us and through us. And when you and I gather with the church and come with an attitude of expectancy, then our interactions with each other become uplifting and encouraging and life-giving. I deeply believe that when we worship and fellowship together, we put ourselves in a place where God can nurture us and pour contentment into us. That's one of the very great privileges of this unique community called the church. Now, no community is perfect, of course, and that includes the church. We certainly can have our share of conflicts, which which is why Paul urges us to work toward unity. Unity, not conformity. We don't all have to dress alike or think alike or enjoy all the same activities because we build our unity around the core beliefs of our calling. Paul says it's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Let's break those down for a minute. One Lord. This is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the promised Messiah, the God who took on human form. One faith. Faith that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus really took place and that these factual events give each of us the privilege of knowing and trusting Jesus. Because of Jesus, 
we can be forgiven by God and we can live with hope today, tomorrow, and forever. One baptism. A baptism by faith that unites us with Jesus. A baptism that is both physical and spiritual because, because we're baptized in water and yet at the same time we're also baptized with the Holy Spirit. And that's why as we go into the water and come out of the water, the Bible says that we die to our old way of life and we are resurrected to experience a new life in Christ. And we can't fully explain all of that in human terms. But we can be confident of this. When we respond to God in faith through baptism, oh, he meets us in a unique way. These three things are essentials. And beyond this, we can give each other a lot of freedom to express our faith in different ways. It is, it is so important for us to understand that our experience of God does not have to be identical with that of other believers. Why? Paul tells us. It's because the church is not based on conformity, where we impose our personal preferences on each other. The church is based on unity, formed around core truths. Core truths like Paul identifies here, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And as we focus on unity and not conformity, it results in another great privilege of our life together. We learn to experience spiritual freedom. Freedom through Jesus that he purchased on the cross. Freedom to love others and accept others and worship alongside others and serve with others who are different than we are and whose experience of faith also may be very different than ours. That is an incredible privilege. And where else could we learn this or experience this but in this very unique community of faith called the church, the church of Jesus Christ. And learning and growing is a key part of our life together because God has not called us into a community of personal and spiritual stagnation. He's called us into a community where we continually equip each other to experience more and more of Jesus in our lives. Let's pick it up in verse 11 of chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith. There's that word unity again. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now this passage reveals the unique way that God has designed his church. Paul lists here some of the official roles that God has established in the church. And did you notice that the purpose of every role is to equip believers for service? 
In other words, to equip, equip Christians to do something. And sadly, we often get this wrong. Why is that? Well, it's because we act like the purpose of the church is to teach. We act like the job of the pastors and the elders and the deacons and, and, and the teachers is to help everyone master Bible knowledge. But that's not what Paul says. We are not a community limited to instruction. We are a community of equipping. And so, yes, we need to teach each other about God. It's vital that we master biblical truth, but we must go beyond teaching to actually equipping each other to live by faith, to equip each other to serve God and serve others. And this is where I think we sometimes miss out on one of the great privileges of our life together. Because knowing God's truth is good, but experiencing God's truth is where faith becomes exciting. This is where life becomes full of joy and contentment as we take what we know and then we invite the Holy Spirit to help us live it out in our families and our friendships and our workplaces, in our neighborhoods and our classrooms and our recreational activities. Inviting the Holy Spirit to help us see God at work in and through the stuff of daily life. And these are things we cannot learn and experience anywhere else but only through consistent, ongoing involvement in the church. Because here in this community, this is where we equip each other for the life of faith. This past week, as I was thinking about this message, I picked up a copy of the church directory and I started to flip through it. And as I flipped through and read this list of names, I was struck by the way that so many of you have helped me to grow. For example, I come to this page and here's a woman listed who just radiates the joy of Jesus no matter what's happening in her life. And over here, here's a man who has modeled perseverance through a whole series of illnesses and yet his faith never wavers. Oh, here's a couple with with such a vibrant marriage. I love the healthy give and take that I see between them and the way they encourage and support each other. The way they nurture each other as followers of Jesus. Oh, and then here's a young adult with an incredible excitement about her faith. She has this fresh and vibrant love for Jesus. And that encourages me not to let my faith get stale. And the list goes on and on, and on. I am continually being equipped to live by faith, to serve my family, and to serve this church. Because I'm privileged to be part of this community, a community called the church that is an equipping church. And I would not be getting equipped nearly as well if my involvement was sporadic. Consistent involvement is what causes us to grow and be equipped. And Paul helps us see this by using a metaphor in verses 15 and 16 that often shows up in his writings about the church. He calls the church a body. A body with Jesus at the head. A body that builds itself up as we strengthen each other and serve each other and grow more closely together in love. You and I are all parts of this metaphorical body. But let's think for a minute about our actual bodies. 
If we feel out of shape and want to get stronger and healthier, what do we do? Well, we usually begin some sort of exercise routine. Whether it's walking or running or swimming or biking, we change our pattern of life to achieve a new goal. We establish a new normal to help ourselves get fit. As we all know, however, if we only exercise intermittently, it's going to take much longer to get healthy. And in fact, if we're too intermittent, we might not even get fit at all. Physical fitness requires regular, ongoing practices that move us, t- move us toward that goal of a healthier body. And spiritual fitness is no different. If we want to be spiritually fit people, and be part of a spiritually fit body of believers, then consistency is essential. Consistently showing up with a sense of expectation, eager to worship and encounter God alongside other believers, eager to come together with the church to be encouraged and equipped, eager to encourage others and help equip them. It's a two-way street. We get encouraged and equipped. And yes, each one of you can encourage and equip others. You and I can be more spiritually fit believers and part of a more spiritually fit body. It can happen. It will happen. And we each make a commitment to greater consistency in our involvement in this community. And so I want to urge you to start thinking now and in in an intentional way about how your priorities might change once we begin gathering again. For example, unless you have a job that requires you to work on Sundays, is there a way that you could rearrange your schedule so you can be part of our worshiping community regularly rather than perhaps inconsistently or intermittently? Could you perhaps rearrange your midweek schedule and become part of a life group? These smaller groups are a great place to build closer friendships where we can encourage each other in the life of faith. And by the way, some of our life groups are continuing to meet online even right now, so so you can join in. And if there's not a group currently meeting at a convenient time, let us know because we'd love to help start one that works for you. So you can get involved with a community There's mutual encouragement and mutual equipping, mutual growth. Maybe you could rearrange your schedule and become part of a growth triad. This is a newer ministry here at the church, but we've had a number of people become part of them. Triads, by their name, you might guess they're groups of three people, but we we keep them focused on just men or just women. So three men or three women get together. And that promotes a different level of sharing and a different level of intimacy. It means, it means people with children don't have to worry about childcare by coming to a gathering as a couple and then having to worry about who's going to watch the kids. And we build these triads around a unique set of Bible discussions that emphasize both the learning and the doing that Paul talks about. The specific goal of triads is to help each other learn how to serve God serve others and live by faith so that we all become more spiritually fit. Sunday worship, life groups, 
triads. These all are ways that you and I can make a greater commitment to the community of faith. And we really should because the plain truth is this. You and I cannot navigate the life of faith alone. I certainly can't. We need each other. And that is why God has called us. He's called each of us into this very special community called the church. Never forget that you are called. You have the privilege of being part of this body of believers called Gardenway Church. And you have the privilege of contributing through, through your involvement to help all of us become more spiritually fit. So here's a great question for each of us to ask God. Heavenly Father, how might you prompt me to establish a new normal? A new normal where this community, Garden Way Church, has a greater priority in the weekly rhythm of my life. Let's be willing to ask God that question. Let's be willing to pray about that question. Let's be willing to discuss it with other people around us. And let's see what God might do to help each of us become more spiritually fit and to have a more spiritually fit community of faith.